Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Maybe. Yes, sir! Michiana's sports leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT presents... Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show. I'm a big believer in fate. I have a good feeling about this. That's all I'm going to tell you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Golf Show on Michiana Sports Leader, 96.1 FM WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. I'm joined by Tim Firestone. He is the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club. And joining us on the phone is John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. And the Golf Show is brought to you by Blackthorn Golf Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Guys, good morning. How are you? Good, Darren. How are you? Uh, it's good. I'm sorry I can't be in studio with you guys to enjoy the huge breakfast buffet that uh, your station usually affords us on, in the morning. Well, I guess... Do, do you John... miss that, Timmy? <laughs> <laughs> they took a week off this week, I guess. They're in speechless, <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say we're trying some new cologne out, so I guess it scared you away. <laughs> or this is the this is the studio filled with guys that can shoot in the 70s, I thought maybe, oh. but I didn't know. Oh. Oh my goodness! Oh, wow. Well, it's going to be about seventy today, so maybe y'all get up and play. <laughs> hey, you're exactly right. It's going to be a beautiful weekend to play golf at Blackthorn and at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. I want to start things out, John, by picking your brain a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, you were at Salem Country Club in Massachusetts, where the 38th U.S. Senior Open took place. Of course, the 40th. U.S. Senior Open will be at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame in 2019. And, John, Salem Country Club, it was a par 70, 6,815 yards. I want to get your overall impressions. Were there any similarities between Salem Country Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame? Um, I, I think in terms of golf course design, I know Core Crenshaw are big fans of Donald Ross, and this was a – a Ross 1920s design. So the design itself was classic. I mean, it was fantastic. Some of the green shapes and green complexes are similar to ours, but oddly enough, the fairways were wider than ours. And I think we have very generous fairways here. And they got a lot of rain out there uh, before the event. There was only one rain event during uh, the championship itself. And as a result, guys, they just absolutely picked the place apart. Now, I will say this. The two guys were separated themselves from the field, so they played exceptionally well. But it's the other scores that told me that the golf course wasn't very challenging to the guys because I think – I forget what the number was, but there were 20-some guys under par, I think. And, yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't detract from the championship. And I know the next question is, does the USGA <laughs> like that? No, do, do they like that? And uh, I was with the – both championship directors at dinner on Thursday evening after, you know, those, I think it was Kurt Triplett shot 62 or 63 that day. 
and the whole field was low. And honestly, guys, I mean, they didn't seem to care. And, and you know, I think maybe that's the new USGA to an extent. It's all about the player experience and fan experience as opposed to protecting par because a number of the things I brought up to them that week, they brought back to, well, what the players think about it with the players like this when we're talking about our event. So so I think they've shifted their focus a little bit, and I think that's good for everybody. Um, I, know, I personally don't – I know, Darren, I think you like to see guys struggle to break par, but I have enough of that in my own life, so I don't need to see it in a championship. <laughs> Well, Kenny Perry won at 16 under par, a score of 264, the lowest 72-hole score in U.S. Senior Open history. So you kind of blend it into my next question. It does seem like the USGA is altering course. I think back to the U.S. Open where one of the questions was asked to the panel before the tournament got underway, and they said, we really don't care what the score is going to be. It was about the experience. And I know through the years, a lot of golfers have complained about U.S. Open setups. But you know what the fact is, guys? It's not like people are turning down opportunities to play in the U.S. Open because they're upset. So I don't want this to become a regular golf tournament. You know what I mean? I don't want to see 16, 18 under par. I don't want it to be the John Deere Classic where 19, 20 under par wins the golf tournament. Guys, I just feel like, and Tim, I'll throw this at you, the fact that these guys have to struggle for par in the U.S. Open brings out the best of their game. It brings out their mental side, their physical side. I just think it offers the greatest challenge, and that's the way it should be for our national championship. So, yeah, it's fun watching birdies, and I don't want to be a Scrooge and say I want everybody to shoot double bogey on every hole. But at the same time, 60 under par for the U.S. Open, I just have a hard time believing that that's the route we want to go. Yeah, or maybe a little variety. How about you know mixing it up? Where yeah. One year you have it, you know, at okay. a Wingfoot or or Baltimore right. or wherever that where you can really make right. it more of a challenge, and then you know put a little variety into it, so it's not always the same year watching over and over the, them grind, you know, trying to to, to break par. Yeah, yeah I, I agree, Tim. Uh, and uh, here's the other thing that I think really came into play here. Um, they hosted in 2001. Uh, Salem did, and it was really impressive. I mean, the USGA was really impressed with the club and, you know, the way they were treated. And so what ultimately happened is they liked to return there. Well, 6,800 yards in 2001 is a lot different than 6,800 yards today. And there's nowhere to go. You can't lengthen that golf course. They're landlocked. And I really think that's part of it right there is that, you know, they're just, they just were remembering what it used to be. And Kenny Perry, I watched him on a number of holes. He hits it like know, 300 yards, doesn't he? Oh, my gosh, a 410-yard par four, which was legitimate back in 2001. Right. He had driver flip wedge into. I mean, the guy hits it a mile, as does Triplett. And I, I watched Freddie, who, by the way, opened his round on the first day by hitting some guy between the eyes in the gallery. Oh, that no. was a pretty good start. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think Freddie offered to sign a golf ball or something, but it had too much blood on it. So, um, yeah. But anyway, that's my that's kind of my take on on the scoring and and why it it did what you know. I'll bet one thing: there's not going to be 16 under here, and I don't think we have to trick the course up to protect it either. I think it's just that their greens were on average were two to three times the size of ours too, which mm. wasn't hard hitting greens. So. The golf. Well, anyway, but it was great. That'll probably great. be the last uh, championship at Salem uh, Country Club, I would guess. I, I think, you know, they could host a women's open, I yeah. think, Tim. But, uh, and it actually, too, and I'm kind of, you know, 
skipping it out of school a little bit, but from a financial standpoint, I don't think it was very successful for the club. And there's a couple of things that came into play. There was a Champions Tour event scheduled there two, that came there two years ago that was unanticipated by the planning committee, and it was it was a bomb. And people mm. who bought hospitality that did not buy at the senior, and then there was a ex- huge expense for since the marathon bombing. There's new procedures and um, statutes in place about mm-hmm. the amount of security one needs at the sporting events. And this, let me tell you, it was a big number that was not budgeted. So as a result, I think it was a pretty much of a failure from that standpoint. So it's unfortunate for Salem because uh, it's a great golf course and a great club. But, yeah, I think they're probably done with it. The Golf Show presented by Blackthorn Golf Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. I'm Darren Pritchett with John Foster, Tim Firestone. We're talking about the U.S. Senior Open at Salem Country Club a couple of weeks ago and looking ahead to the U.S. Senior Open at Notre Dame in 2019. So going up there, experiencing the tournament, John, you were mm-hmm. around the USGA did you pick up a couple of things? Did you learn something about yeah. what you're going to be experiencing in two years? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, guys. Um, you know, my I, my two assistants out there for part of the weekend, and my superintendent and his two assistants were there working uh, each three days out there. They learned a whole lot about the planning and execution of the maintenance end because, as Tim knows, from the Symmetra tour, there's a lot of uh, local superintendents that volunteer, uh-huh. you know, to come out. So your crew is like 50 people throughout the week, and these are all usually head superintendents and things like that. Uh, I know Matt learned a lot of things not to do, and that's no criticism of Salem, but it's just things he picked up on that we think we can improve upon. I saw a number of things in the layout of the golf course and the logistics and how they were shuttling people around and moving crowds that I thought could have been done a bit better, and I don't think we'll have that that challenge here. Um, so it was it was good. Uh, the, probably the most interesting thing, though, I got to interact with a bunch of players. They are all so jacked up about coming here. Um, you know, I talked to Rocco for a while. I talked to um, well, Triplet obviously has a son here at at Notre Dame, but but. Um, uh, Maggart, uh, gosh, I'm trying to. Oh, Brad Faxon, who works for Fox. Brad and I talked for a long time because he said he wish he he goes if I'm not working for Fox, I'd love to play in the event out there. He said wow. uh, so. So there's a number of um, the guys I got to speak to as well, and uh, which was really encouraging because they're all fired up about coming here. So, and since I brought up Fox, any comments on the uh, on the broadcast, guys? Well, first I enjoy the name dropping. I mean, there were names <laughs> no, I mean, everywhere. Name dropping. I, they talked to other people than me that week. You know, I was just one of, of many. I did I'm talk teasing. to Faldo at the um, at the valet stop the first day there after his practice round. I go, uh, "How'd you play?" And he said, "Put me down for a 92." <laughs> 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 so Mr. Uh, Rosie was uh, as cheerful as ever, but that's not name dropping. You asked me what I experienced, and I, I experienced. Oh, it. I loved it. Well, in terms of the broadcast, <laughs> I don't know. If it's okay. It's okay. I, I would, mean, I think yeah. the way they they shoot the tournament, you know, helps yeah. the enjoyment level. But again, there's just a lot of people you don't know the voices, so I that's agree more. that's just kind of the struggle. No, I think you guys are you're right, and they do everything primarily from the booth, which is kind of foreign to us. You know, they have Julie Angster and uh, who else was wondering? Oh, Curtis Strange wandering mm-hmm. around out there. Um, Strange does a it, nice it, job, by the way. I, I think he he does a nice job. He's 
Yep. He's a little stern. He's not Johnny Miller stern, but I think he gives you honest yeah. answers, so I appreciate what he does. And Faxon's okay, too, I think. No, I think Brad does a really good job. He can't carry the telecast, mm-hmm. uh, but he's a good sidekick there. And for some reason, I don't know if it's due to Buck, but Azinger's way off his game, I think. You know, he's so much better than the way he's been performing. And I don't know if that's because Joe Buck dominates the whole thing. I The only time during the telecast during the weekend that I saw that Joe Buck got excited is when he was doing the preview for the All-Star game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, dead serious. He was so excited about that. Well, a little side story. If you remember the U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago, Brooks Kepka won the championship, and there was that <laughs> awkward moment with where Joe was handed a card, and it said that Brooks Kepka is with his girlfriend, and he mentioned right. her by name. So then Faxon jumped in and said, well, actually, this is the new girlfriend. Right, right. And oh, and Joe told the story on, I think it was the Dan Patrick show here on WSBT Radio the day after the final round and said, I'm handed cards all the time. He goes, I don't know who's dating who. They gave me the card. <laughs> oh, it's so-and-so from Florida State, and it was not her. It was a girl he had just started dating a week ago. <laughs> oh, no. So it was just one of those, hey, what can I you do? I did not hear that story. The whole- yeah. So at the All-Star game, before the game got underway earlier this week, guess who stopped by the booth? Brooks Kepka, Kepka oh, and no. his goal was to show him who he was with so he oh. would know for the night. <laughs> that's hilarious. But see, that's you what, know, deep down, Buck is just burning over that whole thing, though. Well, He's, it's embarrassing, but you're handed a card by your producer. Yeah. You trust them. I mean, he was given hundreds of cards yeah. all week that was right, that's and unfortunately true. that was wrong, and he kind of goes down with the ship. He goes, when I screw up, hey, I own it, but this one... I was handed a card. He goes, I don't know who Brooks Kepka is dating. I have absolutely no idea. Because when I watched it, it was like the coldest <laughs> hug ever given by a golfer to his companion, female, whatever it is. Yeah. What do you want to say? I yeah. mean, it was like cold. And then he's like hugging his guys and his team. It's like, wow, that was really odd. Well, then come to find out it was a new girlfriend from okay. one week. So that's okay. why things wow. were a little awkward. Timing is everything. I'm it's, sure the ex yeah. loved that. She got a lot of publicity, that's for sure. <laughs> Holy cow. The book deal will be coming very, very soon. Well, so I got I got one player story I do want to share with you guys. Um, the, the GM at Broadmoor, where they're holding it next year, him and I have become really good friends because we're in a, you know similar situations. So Russ is, is best friends with Hale Irwin. I mean, they hang out together all the time. So Hale played on Thursday, and Russ followed him the whole round and went into the locker room with him afterwards, and Hale shot 72. He shot his age that day. Wow. And Russ said he's standing at Hale's locker, and Paul Goidos walks by and says, how'd you play today, Hale? And Hale goes, I shot my age, and Paul goes, 88? (laughs) 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 And Herwin actually laughed. He's not exactly the most cheerful guy in the world. So First off, (laughs) Hale Irwin, 72, makes me feel just really, really old. That's crazy. And number two, when you say Paul Goidos, is the first thing that come into your head when he's banging himself over the head with a putter. Remember that a few years ago? <laughs> Either that or the fact 59. that he buttons his collar all the way up. You heard what his excuse for that was, right? I have That's not. Why he has his top button. He says he, he doesn't have any shoulders. His shirt would fall off otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever seen him, he's absolutely yeah. right. That's a good one line right there. So, it is. So, John, you've been, of course, yep. helping with the planning of the 40th U.S. Senior Open at Notre Dame. After experiencing yeah. things couple of weeks ago at Salem Country Club, have you guys altered anything? Did you learn something from the experience? We say, you know what, maybe we should do it that way, or is your planning so right on right now that you didn't change anything? No, 
No, no. There's there's some things. You know, I'm not going to get into the details, but there were some things that were very awkward about some of the player movement in the clubhouse and and lack of facilities and different things like that. That each venue is different. I I know that, but there's just some things that were kind of stood out that I think were just missed in the planning process. And you know, our management company was there as well, so I was with them. And they picked up on some things, even though they were involved. They got involved kind of late in the game and were given kind of a limited role. But, you know, the, the parking situation, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, I do know this from a fan experience standpoint, uh, what we've got over the that venue and I think a lot of other venues. I mean, they were busing people in by school bus over two miles away mm. for parking. What? And, yeah, well, there's just nothing there. I mean, it's it's Massachusetts, it's Boston. There's just no room, and so as a result, and there was one entrance that you could use because of the security thing, and it wasn't the best entrance. It dumped you out on like the 16th hole out in the middle of nowhere. So, all of those things that come into play that are specific to the venue uh, that I thought worked against the championship and the fan experience and so on. I think we've got taken care of just out of the fact the way we're laid out and the golf course itself. I found. It was a hard place to watch multiple holes because it was so strung out. And the 17th hole, for instance, was out in the middle of nowhere. And so when the cameras shot those holes, it was like nobody was there. And it's because everybody else was somewhere, and there wasn't a central gathering place other than the clubhouse. So, you know, it it, it isn't criticism of how they ran the place. It was just the result of what the layout of the venue is that was really challenging in terms of showing the crowds and the enthusiasm. I mean, most of the hospitality they sold, you know, what we sell will be out in hospitality tents on the golf course. They have this gigantic clubhouse. They put everybody in the clubhouse. So you, everybody was in the clubhouse. You couldn't see them on the golf course. So, uh, you know, the, those are the things we look at because we want to put our best foot forward and make sure on, you know, this this international broadcast that, that we show Notre Dame and we show the interest and we show the crowds and so on. So I think we'll be fine in that regard. But those are the types of things you observe and learn. So, so as someone that is heavily involved, of course, in the day-in, day-out operation of Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, how many times mm-hmm. a day do you deal with something U.S. Senior Open related, even though it's two years away? Is it daily? Uh, it, oh, my goodness. Yeah. More than half of my day is, is stuff with that. Really? Whether it be planning or phone calls or what. And that's that's not a complaint on my part. I mean, I, I absolutely love this, and my staff is so strong. They've, like, picked up the slack to the point where I'm a little bit worried that somebody's going to notice that I'm not really necessary to the day-to-day operations here. This isn't on, on the air, right? Okay. <laughs> Good. Nobody's listening. Yeah. So Tim, no, from- Tim, I mean, Tim can attest to this. Um, you know, it's just and, – and, and that's okay. That's what I signed up for, but it's. Yeah, I'm, I wish we had more in two years. I feel the cost. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Tim, just your so, experience running a professional golf tournament—is it more stressful making sure that the players have everything the way it should be, or is it just everything else that goes on with the golf tournament that that really leads to the stress and you're focused on? Well, our event is is much different than John's on several levels, but one of them is the most important thing for me is the sponsors. If I don't have uh, four wins and the other uh, local businesses, and they aren't mm-hmm. uh, uh, enjoying the event, and they are not uh, taking advantage of all the different events that we do throughout the week. Then, then mm-hmm. that that's my biggest concern. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the tournament and the crowds are are, uh, you know, the first couple of years it was a little stressful, but now it's like uh, a piece of cake. Yeah. So it's more about keeping the sponsors happy from my perspective. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, it's kind of a different dynamic. This, if this event returned here every year, we'd have a totally different approach to things. Um, but it doesn't, and there's a reason it doesn't, because these these events live off of the hospitality sales and, and the, the premium that one's paying for hospitality at a senior open. You can't replicate that in the same place year to year. So, you know, there's a reason these move around to different uh, golf courses. But, um, yeah, it's a different animal. And we don't have sponsors, per se. You can't with the USGA. Um, you have what you call supporters, and those are people that purchase hospitality and some of the other things that are available, but you can't have any overt advertising. You know, they have their uh, corporate partners, uh, Lexus, Rolex, um, uh, I, I can't, oh, American Express, and uh, Deloitte. Are there, so, so, but they even can't have any presence other than activations of, say, the Lexus Pavilion, which is going to be here, um, you know, with the Lexus cars and things such as that. So it isn't driven by direct sponsorship of corporate money the way Timmy's is. Um, it's got to be the support of the local community and the regional community who buy hospitality. So there you go. Little look yep. at the U.S. Senior Open a couple of weeks ago at Salem, tying it into Notre Dame hosting in just a couple of years, which is going to be absolutely awesome for our community. When we come back, you're going to hear from the new golf coach at the University of Notre Dame, John Hanrigan, Tim Firestone, John Foster, Darren Pritchett. This is the Golf Show presented by Blackthorn and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. Welcome back to the Golf Show presented by Blackthorn Golf Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Tim Firestone, John Foster, Darren Pritchett with you on this Saturday morning. Earlier this week on Weekday Sports Beat, we had the chance to talk to new Notre Dame golf coach John Handrigan. I was joined by Sean Styers for the interview, so give a listen. Here's the new Notre Dame golf coach, John Handrigan. What was it about the Notre Dame job that got you interested right away? Well, first of all, thanks for having me tonight, guys. I appreciate it. Um, definitely the most important thing is the brand of Notre Dame Athletic. Uh, I think it's a national brand, um, one of the most recognized institutions in the whole country, and it's, it's great to be a part of it. Obviously, high academics and the athletics here uh, are top-notch. So I came from Florida, which has you know similar athletics, but the brand here at Notre Dame is phenomenal. John, you mentioned Florida. You know it snows here in South Bend, right? Yeah. That's for sure. A lot of people <laughs> thought it was crazy, but when I brought my wife here and we checked it out for the first time, we knew it was home. Does that? I saw that you uh, you're from Canada. You played in Pennsylvania. How much does that help you as you get set to to coach a golf team in this neck of the woods? Sure. Um, obviously, um, I'm I'm from the north and I'm used to the cold weather, and uh, it's not conducive uh, for everybody for golf. But I think it makes players tougher. Um, and that's what I've always sold is that uh, you come up here and, and play in all kinds of weather, and that prepares you for life on the PGA Tour because you're not always playing in, in perfect conditions, and uh, it makes you a tougher golfer. And uh, that's what guys are going to learn here at, at Notre Dame, and they've, uh, there's been a lot of great players come from the north, and I think there's going to be a lot more. John Handrigan, the new Notre Dame men's golf coach, our guest. John, when you look at the indoor facilities that the University of Notre Dame has, how would you evaluate them? Yeah, good question. Um, there's always uh, facilities, as you know, they're always be constantly improving. Uh, but Notre Dame's got a great spot in their golf course um, at Notre Dame. The Warren is one of the top five courses in all of college golf. So it's definitely a great promotional tool for recruiting. Uh, one of the best in the country, like I was saying. And, and they obviously need some indoor facilities as well. Uh, and they got a nice facility there that uh, we're going to utilize. And recruits have uh, already voiced 
how much they, they love the facility. So it's going to be great for those winter months when we uh, need to be indoors. John, what are just some of the priorities, the top priorities that you have as you get in the door here and, and get started at Notre Dame? Definitely uh, get close to the current players that we have on the team. Uh, find out what interests they have and find out what motivates them to, to get the most out of their game. Um, we've got a lot of great players uh, on paper, um, great quality of team, but uh, we've got to make sure that they uh, can get to that next level of playing elite golf. And uh, that's going to be developing those players, uh, making them as good as they can be, and then obviously get on the recruiting trail. There's a lot of great players that uh, I know of in the 2018 and, and 19 class, and I'm going to be working hard, getting on the road here uh, actually on Sunday, heading to the uh, U.S. Junior in uh, Wichita, Kansas, to try to find some future Notre Dame players that are going to be a good fit for the program. So that all starts with the players, and uh, that's what we're going to look at first. And, John, just to build on that particular thought, are there a couple of traits that you look for in a golfer that would make them a perfect fit for your style of golf team? Sure. Uh, definitely a competitive nature. Um, that's the most important thing, the guys that want to compete day in and day out. Uh, and believe it or not, they just have to love golf because uh, we're going to push them pretty hard here at Notre Dame. They're going to be playing lots of golf, practicing pretty hard. It's uh, demanding as far as uh, academics and athletics. So they got to really love the game. Um, and a lot of guys just, they think they do, but they don't realize what it takes to uh, become that elite player. So we're going to work hard on that and uh, make sure we get the right players in here that really appreciate what golf can do for them in their future. John, those things that you talk about there, push them hard, things like that, those are things that I, I don't think that most people really associate with the sport of golf. They consider it a lot of a, a pretty leisurely sport. So how do you go about that? Because you also talked about kind of mental toughness and those kind of things. How do you go about that when you're getting a, a golfer ready to play collegiately? It takes uh, ways to motivate players in certain ways that you can push them a little bit harder than they've ever been pushed. Um, and it's not always about telling them what to do, but it's about finding ways that they can be motivated to work hard on their own. Um, and that there's no secret to success, I don't believe. And it's a lot of it's hard work. And uh, you got to find ways to make sure these guys are willing to work hard. And, and you got to find players you bring into your program that, that have that uh, kind of chip on their shoulder, that want to prove themselves and be that elite player. Um, and, it, and it comes from hard work. And a lot of that's from the coaching staff to make sure that those players are are up to that challenge and uh i've done that in all my life and in my coaching career and uh that's what i'm going to bring to notre dame and to get that culture and, and change that culture to motivate these players to go to that next level john we've got the 2019 u.s senior open coming to warren golf course at notre dame i'm assuming that can be a nice little small recruiting tool that you can throw out at players that the usga wants to have one of their national championships here at the University of Notre Dame. And the second part of the question is, just with your first opportunities to get out of the golf course, I'm not sure if you've played, Warren, yet, what your initial impressions of the course are? Obviously, it's great. Uh, it tells you a lot about the Warren if we're hosting uh, the U.S. Open here. Um, so it's great that the USGA thinks as highly of the course as we do. It's uh, definitely a phenomenal venue and great to have that uh, major championship. We're going to use that as a recruiting tool for sure, um, and that's why it's ranked so highly across the country as being one of the most top or elite courses in the area. So we're fortunate to have that. We're going to utilize that as much as we possibly can, um, and uh, a lot of great things are going to come from that for sure. They're doing a lot of uh, extra things with the golf course right now, 
a few improvements to make the course uh, ready for that championship. And therefore, Notre Dame golf is reaping those same rewards of uh, a few improvements and, and making it better. So we're fortunate to have that, uh, and we're going to use that for our recruits um, just to promote that. And our players will be around uh, when that's going on. So it's going to be a, a great thing to add to, uh, to our program here in the near future. And uh, definitely Mr. Warren is doing a, a great job with those improvements at our, at our golf course and our facility. John, you were playing in college late 90s about the time Tiger Woods was rising to prominence. How much effect do you think that Tiger has had on the game overall since then? He's brought the game to a new level, and he's brought work ethic to that level. He's brought fitness to the level. He's changed how players uh, promote themselves in the game, uh, definitely financially, how much he's improved and, and increased the financial aspect of golf. So he's, he's done a great deal. We owe a lot to him, um, and he's improved uh, the amount uh, of players definitely that uh, are dedicated to golf. But the biggest thing that I take from Tiger is his commitment to the game and uh, his motivation to get better every day. And he's not happy with just winning one tournament or two tournaments. He's trying to win every tournament he can play in. And uh, I think uh, his work ethic has brought a new perception to golf, and we kind of touched on that earlier, how uh, you know it's not – the game that people think about that players push themselves but tiger has taught us that and he's taught us how to do that and uh, we owe him a lot to the game he's, he's changed in a lot of ways john my final question for you i just want you to name drop a little bit some guys that you have worked with in the past sure uh we had a lot of good players come out of florida uh, most recently is sam horsefield he was uh ranked number two in the world uh at the time we was coaching and he's playing this week on on the pga tour and uh, obviously, uh, Gary Woodland was at, at Kansas, uh, another great player, and some past players at Florida that I still communicate with, uh, Billy Horschel, who uh, won the FedEx Cup yep. here uh, a few years ago, one of the top players in the world right now. So it's great to have those guys uh, that competed uh, at Florida and uh, that I can still talk to and, and pick their brain to, to learn more about golf and uh, to help our players get to the next level because they've, they've done it and they've excelled at it. So it's good to get their knowledge as well so I can learn and, and teach our guys. So that was John Handrigan on Weekday Sports Beat earlier this week. New Notre Dame golf coach. He comes from the University of Florida, where he was the associate head coach and was the assistant coach of the year a couple of years ago down there with the Gators. So John is someone that, I guess, spends some time with the Notre Dame golf coach as part of your assignment as general manager mm -hmm. at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Have you met John and your early impressions? Yeah, actually, throughout the you know the interview process, uh, he was the one out of the group that I was I favored. Not that I had that much input, but if I they were, if I were asked, I would have picked John. Um, I, I really impressed. I know some people uh, who know people. You know, for people that played players that played for him, both uh, male and female, because he was a women's coach at one point, and I they just absolutely loved playing for him, which tells me the guy will be successful because I think that's the number one key to golf coaches is to have the respect of, of players. They enjoy coming to practice, enjoy your presence with them on the golf course as opposed to not. And I think he's going to do fabulous. I, obviously, there's going to be an adjustment due to the weather. We've talked about that. We've talked about uh, he loves the golf course. There's, I know he's excited about upgrading the invitational we hold every year, uh, upgrading the strength of schedule, and he feels he can do so due to the relationships he's he's built you know, over the years. So I'm really excited about it, and the fact that he retained Scott Gump as the assistant coach tells me he's pretty smart, too. Absolutely. So, so let me go around the room here, so to speak, with you on the phone. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Tim the first shot. 
as you think about the Notre Dame golf program, it is a northern school. We've talked about there are schools that have success. Oregon, you look at Illinois' recent success under Coach Small. So how would you guys describe what you feel like the realistic expectations should be of the Notre Dame golf program, all things considered? I mean, my goodness, you think about the golf and the education. I know it's in the north, but with the indoor facilities, guys, over there in mm-hmm. Warren, it just seems like this is still a place where you can do some good things. Yeah, I think, again, when it comes to winning in the north, I think John would agree with this. It comes down to leadership and who and who's coaching and who's recruiting. And without strong leadership and without uh, being a good recruiter, no matter what your facilities are like or the golf course like you got, you're, yeah. gonna, you're not going to win. So, um, if you look at those schools you mentioned, Darren, they all have great, great college golf coaches um, yeah. and have have been successful. I, I'm a hundred percent with you there, Tim. I know you can overcome the cold weather thing a little bit too. Uh, the, the, the landscapes change to the point where most programs, including our program, have money available to fly to Florida, uh, you know, over, you know, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the winter to actually practice. Uh, we can't do it every week, but, but enough to give, keep the kids engaged. I think the part though, and if you were to ask, I think we can have a top 50 program and, and sometimes, uh, you know, top 25, I wouldn't say perennial necessarily, but I'm not ruling that out. But I, I think the limiting factor is recruiting is number one. And part of recruiting is getting the kids in school academically. And I, it's, it's not, just an urban myth. Uh, it's really hard to get kids in here, especially uh, golfers who normally have high SATs, high ACTs, high class rank, high GPAs. The standard is really high, guys. And I can tell you at Stanford, Duke, Northwestern, those are great academic institutions. And if you're applying as a student, you're going to have this super high standard. Those standards are altered somewhat for athletes and especially golf. And I think it's had, it goes back to this success they've had in golf and golf is really important to those institutions so they're willing to make some uh, you know alterations into who they bring in and who they don't and we do not so mm. I, I tried to explain that to john i know he's a smart guy and he's talked to people and he knows that's going to be a challenge but if we can overcome that somehow uh, the sky's the limit finally john what type of team is he going to take over a really talented. Scott's done a fantastic job. The freshman, uh, sophomore class, uh, and then we've got two rising juniors. Uh, the, he's got two fantastic freshmen coming in. Um, I think we're in good shape from a talent standpoint. They just need a little bit of direction and a little bit of discipline in certain areas. And I think they're going to be really excited about the change, too. All right, very good. So good luck to John Handrigan, the Notre Dame golf coach takes over that program. Welcome, Welcome back, back to the Golf the Show on Michigan Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn Golf Club. We've got John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. And in this segment, just a thought, guys. Jordan Spieth won the PGA Tour event in Quad Cities a couple of years ago, and that really sparked who Jordan Spieth is in the game of golf. He hit the bunker shot to win that golf tournament. And they kind of gave Jordan his start in that particular golf tournament, fresh out of the University of Texas. And he's skipping the event this week to prepare for the Open Championship. If you're in his shoes, do you play Quad Cities knowing that they have given him some great opportunities coming out of college to get on the PGA Tour? Or the fact that he's won there 
and the fact that he's become such a household name, that still benefits the golf tournament. What do you guys think? If you're in his shoes, would you feel like you owed it to Quad Cities to play? Uh, I think he has played. Well, that was like four years ago, wasn't it, when he won that? So, I mean, I think he's played three years ago. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, yes, we could all sit here and say, yeah, he should play, but it didn't. This guy, uh, he's not going to play in that event for the rest yeah. of his career, probably. <laughs> you know, and, and for people that don't know, it's a low-end event. It's not one of the yeah. premier events like the Memorial, for example, or Arnold right. Palmer's tournament. Yeah, it's you, on the bottom make, end. You got to make twenty-five birdies uh, yeah. to play it. And of course, <laughs> yeah. isn't that? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on the event. No. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't blame him for not playing. I guess would be my. Take. I don't either, and I think it's probably the polar opposite of any course they're going to play in the UK. Um, and just and it, it doesn't make it a bad golf course, but it's probably a terrible course to play if you're trying to prepare for some type of links golf. It's just the opposite. So, well, the fact that he won that tournament and the fact that he's become such a household name, I think, has some benefits yeah. and. I think that's one of those golf tournaments in the Quad Cities that it's a tournament that the community puts its arm around. So I think that's one of those tournaments that it kind of is what it is. It's not going to benefit, you know, overwhelmingly for speed playing. Of course, it'd bring out a few more people. But that's just one of those tournaments where I think they know who they are. They're a bottom-tier golf tournament, and they're kind of okay with that. Now, John mentioned a couple of moments ago when we were talking about the U.S. Senior Open, he asked what we thought of the broadcast team. Mm-hmm. I saw this, so let me throw this at you. And I hate to bring up your favorite guy, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. Dan Hicks, who, of course, called many U.S. Opens when NBC had the USGA package. He says he believes Tiger Woods should join a TV broadcast team. Would that be enjoyable? Uh, I don't think he's very charismatic. I mean, I've never met the guy, but based upon this, if he wouldn't be so guarded, maybe maybe he would, but I've never seen him speak where you think he's actually saying something from the heart. So I don't know how Tim feels, but he doesn't strike me as the most, as I say, uh, magnetic personality. So, Yeah, I would agree. I just don't think we've seen that side of him, and maybe he doesn't have that side of him. You know what I mean? So, yeah, right. Um, I mean, I think obviously he'd bring in viewers um, to uh, to listen to the broadcast, but I, whether or not he'd be successful, I don't know. I mean, he knows a lot about the game, a lot about the golf swing. I mean, he certainly could add insight. It's just yeah. could he do it in an entertaining way? I would say right. his delivery would be like Azinger. Nothing too yeah. exciting, just pass along the facts, not going to get overly excited. He kind of falls into that category. I think he could provide some really good insight on shot making and what you should do in situations, but – would he be able to say that just wasn't a good decision? Yeah, that's the I, toughest I, thing for guys leaving the venue and then having to possibly criticize their peers. If you can get by that, you can be a good broadcaster. Yeah, I kind of question Tiger Woods' true love of golf. You know, is he? And you can tell from Azinger and these other guys who have played, they they still are into it big time. I just wonder. I think Tiger Woods was into Tiger Woods and into winning, as opposed to it could have been anything. Uh, I, I could I'm totally wrong. I could be totally wrong here. I don't know how much he knows about golf history or tradition and things like that. He was so wrapped up uh, in in himself and his career. It's fine, but he didn't strike me as a guy that's really passionate about the game. Don't know. All right. I don't think we'll have to worry about that, but interesting nope. that Dan Hicks brought that up. 
We'll wrap up the golf show next with what's coming up. You're listening to the golf show presented by Blackthorne and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. We wrap up the golf show with what's coming up. We will start with John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Well, you're always beating me up for not having anything you know, exciting to announce. But actually, as of this coming Tuesday, we're reopening the 18th hole, which has been out of commission as a par 4 since August, the torrential floods of last August. It's been totally rebuilt, redrained, new bunker, all kinds of good stuff. Mm. And uh, that'll be open on Tuesday. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of complaints that it's shortened to a par 3, and I think that has to do with how hard the hole was. So, But anyway, that's going to open up on Tuesday. So come out and try it out. Phone number and website. It's 631-GOLF, and it's warrengolfcourse.com. Tim Firestone at Blackthorn. We have open golf. Golf course is in great shape. Um, and uh, a lot of events coming up um, that are you know, open to the public. Event. You and uh, your buddies uh, like playing in uh, scrambles. There are a lot of opportunities to play in some of those events that are open to the public. So check out our website, blackthorngolf.com, 232-4653. And next week we'll have a very special announcement. About Blackthorn Golf and Ooh. a new venture that we uh, entered into mm, last yeah. uh, week. So, <laughs> so it'll be breaking news then. Breaking news. You hear it here first. All right. Look forward to that announcement. Tim, John, thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Darren. You got it. Thank this you. has been the Golf Show brought to you by Blackthorn Golf Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT South Bend. everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.